1: What, what is wrong with you? I don't know. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three, four. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. with Rami. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's
2: Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Romy. Rami.
1: With our corrupt judge, Jonathan Harrison, who comes up with three questions, awards points to the winners arbitrarily with really no logic or reason whatsoever. He just licks his finger, sticks it in the wind. Sucking up to him helps. Yep. Talking about soccer helps. Definitely helps. Yeah. So let's get started here. little cram session action. Jonathan, uh, lead the way.
0: All right, boys. This weekend was the U.S. Open and Fox is broadcasting it. And we got a little bit of a crossover event, as sometimes happens in movies and in comic book universe. It happened with when Jim Nance popped in on the Fox broadcast. So I want to know, what is your ultimate sports broadcast crossover you want to see? It can be just a play-by-play guy doing a different sport, guys from one network popping over onto another network, bringing someone back from the dead to do a sport they never did. What's your all-time broadcast crossover?
1: Hmm. Okay. I would put Charles Barkley on anything. I would put Charles that's Barkley good. like that's I, really good. Can I say like Charles Barkley on the spelling bee? <laughs> yes. Can he be the silent
0: analyst word, trying to what, what, spell that's it? That's
1: terrible. What kind of what kind of word is that? I would put Charles Barkley on obscure Olympic sports like the those weird uh, like multi where you're you're cross country skiing and you're shooting and stuff like just Charles Barkley speed trying walking? to explain what's happening. Yeah, speed walking. <laughs> What are they doing? I would, I would, I would put Charles Barkley on pretty much anything.
0: <laughs> look, at the, look at these fools! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does he come with the rest of the crew, or is it just Charles Barkley? I think, I think it's just Charles Barkley.
3: Okay.
1: And whoever the play-by, just random play-by-play play guys.
0: <laughs> I just like pair it. him
1: up with anything. John? yeah
3: I came up with this one after seeing this question in two seconds. And it's not funny, but I would love to see them work a a baseball game or even a hockey game, but just to pair them up. Doc Emmerich, Vin Scully. Just two masters of the craft. In my mind, two of the best of of all time. And to me, Doc is sort of the Vin Scully of hockey. And Scully is just, I miss him so much. I miss the call so much. He's just so great. That those two on anything, Anything. They could they could describe paint drying to me, and I wouldn't care. They're that fantastic. I'd love to see those two paired together for just one time.
2: I like hearing Jim Ross do anything. The former WWE announcer. Now, he's the A- <laughs> A- AEW announcer, isn't he? He is. I, yeah. I could listen to him do anything. But imagine this booth. Monday Night Football. And you said it can be people who are dead, right? Mm-hmm. Monday Night Football. I got Jim Ross on play-by-play flanked. By Howard Cosell and Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> wow. <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that booth. Wow. Forget the game. You won't even be thinking about no. the game like 10 minutes in. <laughs> that would be the greatest booth in the history of play-by-play booths ever. There would be a lot
1: of,
3: by gods? <laughs> <laughs> who couldn't talk? Like, who, who would be silenced the most oh, in that booth? With those three guys. It would,
1: well, it, would it be G- Jim? Jim? Jim Ross would probably yield to the other two, and yeah. then he'd pop in for the big moments. Because he's a professional. Again, I was flipping through this morning, <laughs> and and I think it was uh, it was right before First Take came on, they did a crossover with Stephen A on the split screen on Get Up. Yeah. And the best Stephen A-ism. I don't know how long he's been doing this, but I just noticed it a couple weeks ago, and now again this morning. As soon as they pop him up, on the screen and it's like here's steven a for the first time and he's in his suit and his tie he's, shaking his head he's right. staring at the camera and he does the head like the neck crank thing on both sides <laughs> like the neck thing and, the, and then the half neck roll like you're and en- like you're entering you're entering uh like a sporting a event noreno, for the first bat up, yeah yeah Cr- <laughs> he's preparing crank the neck half neck roll Straight face looking at the camera. Did you guys see
2: the clip of Stephen A. Smith from his radio show that was making the rounds over the weekend? I saw this happen live during my lunch on Friday and literally almost choked on my sandwich. I was laughing so hard. No. So a dude called in and was like slurring his speech. And Stephen A., he goes, I know it's uh, early in the day. I don't mean to call you out, but... uh <laughs> Have you been drinking already? And the dude the dude goes, no, I haven't been drinking, but uh, weed is legal in D.C., Stephen A. And Stephen <laughs> A. just lost his mind on him. He's like, so you're telling me you're high?
0: <laughs> you're high?
2: <laughs>
3: well, goodbye. And <laughs> 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 oh, oh, oh.
0: Uh, <laughs> it was so good. It
1: was That's so fantastic. funny. Oh my god!
0: I love that, Judd. You went serious with this because that would be a great booth. Oh, Unfortunately, yeah. you finished third here, Rami. I love your booth of Monday Night Football, but I'm unlike you guys. I'm not the biggest fan of Stephen A. I could do without him. So, Phil, you win this one because I just want to see Charles Barkley on legitimately uh, anything. It would be great. Him on the spelling bee would be fantastic.
3: Corrupt judge strikes again. Yes. Rami.
0: Very much so. <laughs> you got robbed. You obviously had the really best close. answer there. Mine I tried. I obviously had the but best yours was. No, right. I yeah. love Jim Ross. I love Jim Ross and I would want to hear him do football. You brought but, Cosell back.
1: I know.
2: Brought a man back from, from Stephen the dead.
0: A. Sorry. Stephen A's not for me.
1: Alright. Alright, question number two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Father's Day was yesterday so in honor of that I want your favorite <laughs> sports father-son combo. They don't have to have played at the same time. They can just be Professional sports dad, professional sports son.
2: I'm going to go first because it's the only one I really got, (laughs) and I'm sure somebody's going to steal it if I don't go first. Is Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr. I thought that was – Ken Griffey Jr. was my favorite player for a good seven, eight-year stretch growing up, and I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world, that this dude not only got drafted, number one pick in the draft, and was like a phenom, like a worldwide phenom, then got to play in the same outfield and hit in the same lineup as his dad. I thought that was – Amazing. That was one of the coolest storylines of my childhood growing up watching sports.
3: That's very nice, but mine starts with this guy. You can say let's go lose all you
4: want, but you know what? We win. we win. We win We don't have to go anymore, cause we already did it! So instead of saying,
0: let's
3: go, Blues, we're going to say, we went
0: blue. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
2: what?
3: that's going to catch on. I'm pretty sure that's going to catch on. So the Golden Jet Bobby Hole and the guy that you just heard there, the Golden Bread Brett Hole, Oh my god! Two of the great hockey players of all time, who clearly both of them never passed up a cocktail, never passed by the uh, the keg of beer. <laughs> Or the cooler of beer. We went. Well, the best part is he can't remember at first the blues. So he's just like, we went. What team in my room? Blues. Two of the greatest hockey players of all time. The oh. only father son duo to have both record 1,000 career points a piece. Apiece, and both are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But my God, when you can drink that much, you've earned my respect. It's the holes Bobby and Brett.
1: Amazing. That's a really good answer. Uh, I went with a little bit of a different approach here. I went with father who is a known power hitter in uh, the last 15 years of Major League Baseball and uh, and son combination, a 255 home run career, and a son who's one of the great clubhouse leaders in the history of baseball, Adam and Drake LaRoche is my favorite (laughs) father-son combination. That's right. That poor kid. Adam and Drake LaRoche. <laughs>
3: that poor kid. The
1: leader of the White Sox clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great leader. Such a great leader. <laughs> so he made other players inside that oh, clubhouse wow. jealous, <laughs> and they kicked him out.
2: Somebody actually said that. I think it was Chris Sale who said, we lost a leader in this clubhouse. <laughs> no, yeah he when did,
3: a 14-year-old was sent home. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> we went White
0: Sox. <laughs> not only did he make other players jealous in that locker room, he's going to make... Judd and Rami jealous because he wins the point again. I know, he
2: deserves that. Yeah. This time I'll agree. That's yeah, great. Yeah, I like that that's one. That's
0: fantastic. I do like that one. Wow. All right. So Phil's already won today, but we still have a third question. With all the twins' positivity going around right now, <laughs> I want you to channel your inner pessimists. Judd, this should be easy for you boys. Oh, yeah. Just the, learn from the master himself. This was simple. Which twin is going to regress by the end of this season? <clears throat> so Martin Perez has already
3: started down that course, and and I could say him, but that's super boring. So, Derek Wetmore, turn down your radio, or your computer, or your your phone, pot it down somehow, because I'm going to go with your guy, Mitch Garver. Mitch Garver, right now, hitting three ten, eleven 11 home runs. He's been absolutely fantastic. But the more I think about this, with La Tortuga gone, Garver and Castro are the only catchers left. Garver's going to have to catch more and more. I'm not saying he's going to bottom out, but I believe that offensively, as the summer continues into the heat of things, there is going to be a regression there. I'm going to go Mitch Garver.
1: So, I, Derek and I, Derek, if you turned it back up, turn it back down again, because we fought about this player on the Scorner Twin show today. And it's not that I don't think this guy has turned a corner, I just don't think he's turned the corner as aggressively as some other people do. Jacob DeRizi leads the major leagues in wins, he's right up there in ERA, 2.24. It's above two for the first time uh, in several weeks, and his strikeout rate is a career high right now. I just don't think a guy who's been in the major leagues since 2012, this is, what, his eighth season in the major leagues? I just don't think you just turn into a Cy Young guy overnight at 29. I don't think mm-hmm. you go from being like a number 4 starter to a Cy Young guy. So I think he settles in as a nice little number 3 starter. Twins got to find someone via trade to fit between him and Jose bruce Like mad you're saying? Mad Bum might be. Uh, the
2: um, Syndergaard might be perfect. Since I have no chance of winning <laughs> today, and uh, I've cut the brakes and am everly optimistic <laughs> about the Minnesota Twins, I'm just going to say nobody. Hit the music, Phil. Nobody will regress for the Minnesota Twins. This thing is full speed ahead. They will continue to mash like they've mashed. 350 home runs, 110 wins, World Series championship, unless they play my Cubs. Here we go, Minnesota Twins.
3: That'd be so great if I played your Cubs to watch you squirm in that chair for two weeks, writhing. Yeah, I'm gonna have to jump off the bus at that point. I'm just gonna tuck and roll. <laughs> yep, just jump off. You're gonna the go side out the back the door, the emergency door. <laughs> Rami opens up. <laughs>
0: Well, since Rami obviously didn't answer my question, I did not, which I I'm not a fan of, That's you're fine. not getting a point there. And if I could, I would take a point away from you from your all-time total. You can, actually. Which I think I will. Thank you, Judd. So whoever That's not, whoever the loyal listeners that, that keeps track of all our points. Marcus, you if you're
1: listening, Take no. one away from Rami. No.
0: You can just take a point away. Not, not a game win, but a point. I'm going to agree with Phil here. I don't think you just turn into that Cy Young candidate overnight. It, you have an eight-year track record. It just you don't turn into this guy all of a sudden. I think Jake Odorizzi turns into <laughs> you're on camera, Judd. Turns into uh, I
3: think it's on right now. The it's not on right now. now. Okay,
0: and I wish it was so people so could Phil, have seen you me. win the point. You clean sweep today for Phil Mackey.
3: Sweep the leg, yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Congratulations! Your second answer was great.
1: Where are you, are you guys? Like right now, before we uh, dive into some. Blockbuster NBA trade stuff in this next segment on Jake DeRisi right now. Are you? Do you think that he is the ten and two two twenty four ERA ten strikeouts per nine monster that we've seen going forward, or does he settle back in? Do you agree with me? I guess is
3: what I'm asking. Well, where do you have him coming back to? I guess I mean, is, my, is like, my question. He's a number three starter.
1: He's pitching like an ace. Yep, he's a number three it's starter. A three,
3: that's fine. Yeah, maybe a two. Okay, but you need the. There's no way that I am comfortable going into the playoffs with the current rotation without one more piece to it. So this is not criticizing him. And Barrios, I think, is is very good. And the thing that's impressed me about Barrios so much is he's had some really sort of questionable starts, but he still wins because he's smart enough to adjust and get one pitch to work. So I would say I would go down the same path as you because I don't think that you can go into the playoffs comfortable with the current rotation and one piece being put in. And if that's Mad Bomb at two and Odo at three, that's fine.
2: I think they could use another arm in the rotation. I don't think it's absolutely necessary. I wouldn't count. There isn't a team in the American League right now who they'd run into in a seven-game series, and I'd say Twins can't win this series because they just don't have enough starting pitching. If they added more, you can never have enough pitching. But if they don't, I
1: still feel pretty good about this team as long as they add to the bullpen. Our question to the show, which we posed about an hour and fifteen minutes ago, is: Would you trade one of the Twins' top three prospects? So Alex Kirilov, Royce Lewis, or Bruce Dog Raderall? <laughs> would you trade one of the Twins' top three prospects for Madison Bumgarner and and, and also Nick Gordon? You'd be trading to in this uh, Athletic dot com hypothetical for Madison Bumgarner and Will Smith six five one six four six eight two five five. Tweet at us. At Phil Mackey, at Jay Zulgad, at Rami is tweeting. It's Mackey and Judd with Rami on the all-new Scornorth on the Scornorth mobile app. Thank you, Jonathan. It's Mackey and Judd with Rami on the all-new Scornorth and the Scornorth mobile app, which is free to download. In fact, if you have the Scornorth mobile app, you'd be getting alerts pushed right to your phone when it comes to Minnesota sports news and uh, interesting tidbits, twins tidbits from Judd Zolgad. You can read about Miguel Sano having an ump apologize to him over the weekend that got pushed to your mobile device but you got to have the scornorth mobile app apple and android it's free for both of those device bins categories um, my first reaction when i and i i feel like this is going to be an unpopular opinion in minnesota cuz it's big market team and it's you know potential super team when i saw the news of anthony davis to the lakers i was ecstatic cuz i love when fun new things happen in the nba the NBA has just become this bombshell off-season sport the last 10 years. And this is just the first of what's probably going to be four to five, maybe six bombshells in the next two or three weeks. Durant, all these like, there's all these moves to be made. Yep. But I thought, all right, that makes the Lakers villainous again because now they're kind of a super team again with LeBron and with and Anthony Davis. And the way Davis. that they went about it with the whole Rich Paul angle, yes. being LeBron's agent, and
2: allegedly pulling the strings on these moves. So that, I think rubs a lot of a lot of people the wrong way
1: yes and i think it's it's the sign too that the lake the lakers see what's happening in golden state that the warriors aren't going to be the same team and they're trying to pounce when lebron is still able to in the next couple of years but the other thing that happened today is uh the brooklyn nets cleared out more money the brooklyn nets according to adrian wojnarowski i can't remember who it was i don't have it in front of me but they they uh they declined a contract option and freed up total now 46 million dollars in free agency and i think they're either they're either looking at Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant or some other max uh, contract to go along with Kyrie Irving i think it's more likely now that D'Angelo Russell will wind up either signing somewhere else in restricted free agency or be available in a sign and trade which means Timberwolves make that happen so get that robin to
3: Cats batman so what are are the odds and where could they send Jeff Teague because that has to be the contract that they realistically think they can move. Well, I
1: think there's only one year left on the deal. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a valuable contract because it's an expiring one. If there's a team that just wants an expiring contract to free up cap space for next year, if it's a bad contract but there's one year left on it, those are actually valuable contracts in the NBA. Because you have to match salaries in order to, to trade with teams, unless a team has a bunch of cap room. And if you're going to match salaries and get out from underneath it one year later and free yourself up to sign a free agent, teams actually look for contracts like the Jeff Teague one. I don't think it's that hard to move, actually.
2: Yeah, I think they should they should be able to move it. I don't know if it would be enough or if it would be in a D'Angelo-Russell deal, but that, like you just said, Phil, that's, that's a movable deal. That's a movable guy, and there should be somebody out there who's willing to take him. It's just a matter of what are you going to get in return? Can you get in on the D'Angelo-Russell talk if it's a two-way
3: deal or a three-way deal? Teague's got... One year left at the age of 31 for this coming season at $19 million. Yeah.
1: Do you think the NBA is more fun when you just have a bunch of really good duos across the league rather than – because the NBA, to me, another unpopular opinion, I thought the NBA was really fun when it was Warriors versus LeBron for four years, and I get that most people got sick of that. But now it's looking like we're just going to have a bunch of teams with one or two superstars, and so there's going to be eight or nine teams that conceivably have a chance to win the championship. Do you like that better, or do you like heavyweight fights at the end of the season? I don't
2: mind a heavyweight fight. I didn't mind LeBron versus the Warriors, but three times is as much as I need to see something. Like, whether it's a fight or a series between two teams, three times is enough. Like Especially if it's tied 1-1 after the first two, let's have a rubber match, and then let's move on to something new. I don't... It got the story got old of I knew it was gonna be those two teams at the end. And it was even older because I was about 90% sure it would be the Warriors when all was said and done, when they were done dealing with LeBron and the Cavs. That didn't happen once, but I again it didn't ruin it for me. I watch movies over and over again, knowing the ending, but it's a little bit better when you don't know how the movie ends. You know what I mean? You don't know what the final battle scene is, and you don't know who ends up winning it. When you know it kind of it just takes a little bit away from it.
3: I don't care because what to me is so much fun or has become fun about this league is the summertime pretty much controlled chaos. So I don't care. I I don't care what the end result is because once July first hits, or in this case, I believe it's actually going to hit on June thirtieth. It is such chaos. It's just great. So like, if teams end up being good, or if there is a swing, the pendulum swings. Okay, that's fine but the soap opera that surrounds where's this guy going and who's going to demand a trade here that to me yeah this league this league next to football has just completely capitalized on making its non-playing months more intriguing in some cases than the actual playing months
1: yeah no it's the nba i, I love it they roll they roll from the NBA Finals, within one week they're into the draft, and then one week after that, it's the most fun, frenzied free agency period of any sport right now. Right. And then they start the Summer League like, a couple weeks after that. And so the the Zion Williamson's of the world are going to be playing in the Summer League. Oh, you have yeah, to tr- watch that dude it draws play. draws huge. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I want, I'm just kind of to the point mentally where I've been thinking about this D'Angelo Russell thing. Like I'm there mentally now to the point where if it doesn't happen, i am gonna be mad. <laughs> You're doing this to yourself. I know. What? I know. Why, Why are what? you doing this to yourself? Yeah. It makes so Storm much right. sense. It's a smart enough front office. The Wolves hired the trade machine guy, for God's sakes. If anyone can pull this off and make the contracts work, it's the guy who invented the ESPN.com trade I'm, machine. I'm giving this new regime
2: the benefit of the doubt to the extent where I will, I will say they can they can do things that the Wolves haven't done in the past.
1: Yeah, I don't think Tom Thibodeau is running trade machine scenarios in his office, okay? Just going to speculate. I
2: won't out. give him the benefit of the doubt to the point where
1: I say they will, and if they don't, I'm going to be disappointed. Think about how much sense it makes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Towns but, is 23. D'Angelo Russell is, 20, is 22. It, they can, they're both going to be on five-year contracts.
3: It does make sense, but these guys are going to slow play stuff, too. What do you mean? The... These guys, I think, are going to, are going to come Angela in Russell? and take a really long view. And so if they can make this work, they, they will. But this is going to be... It's going to be a complete culture shock for, for Wolves fans and for Glenn as far as how different these guys are going to think and do things. So... If they can do something, they will, but I also think that they're going to be very, very patient with how things are going to play out initially.
1: I think it's a mistake to be patient, because you have a three-year window to show Carl Anthony Towns, we're serious about this, and we've got a roadmap well, to winning big in the Western I'm just Councils. saying
3: an immediate move. Well, but they, they might make moves... In the coming months, I don't know. I'm just saying, I would invest myself to the point of anger if D'Angelo Russell doesn't come here.
1: But think about this. This team... I'm trying to help him, Rami. In a di- well, let me go down this Talk path. some sense into him.
3: He's on the ledge. He's like, I didn't listen I to jump. leading into the draft. I want to jump.
2: I didn't listen to the man leading into the draft lottery. And I learned my lesson.
1: It makes too much sense to for this to happen. happen. The Thank Timberwolves you. were 36 and 46. So they were like only slightly below 500. They were They wound up being five wins below 500 in a disaster season in which the Jimmy Butler thing exploded in your face you had to fire your coach and president of basketball operations if if it was any other front office they would have made meaningful trades at the deadline to get younger and to get out from underneath some contracts so they like all these things that should have happened didn't it was chaos your best player was frustrated by the infrastructure and you still almost finished 500 and so being patient to me is a mistake because the western conference floodgates have opened wide for the next two or three years here. Unless you think Golden State's going to put it back together again with duct tape and Kevin Durant's going to magically be fine in 2020, 2021. I think you have a chance if you put together a D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns nucleus and let those guys from ages 23 to 27 grow into their own. Yeah. The Western Conference could very much be yours in the next five years. I'm just saying, like it with a smart front office, a superstar Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, it's on. Yeah. Who's Let's gone. go, LFG. Phil, Phil's Bring gone.
3: It. Phil's gone.
2: Who are you? Come yeah. on. Who are you? And what why have you are you done guys? With Phil Mackey. Why are
1: you guys on the Bomba Bus again? But you're not on lost, the Wolves wagon.
2: We've lost the patient because the Bomba Bus. I see results. I didn't just jump on that. Get on the Russell oh, Rocket. The, I mean, I did. I did the pe- Russell. The Russell Rocket the
3: has left bus the station. Three wheels and a flat tire until recently. The Russell Rocket. The Russell Rocket. Wow.
0: Yeah, I'm uncomfortable.
3: Rami,
0: well,
2: mean, I'm going to let you handle it, this. At least you didn't call it the D train, That would <laughs> completely different. <laughs> wow. I mean, both work the same way, but no, man, I'm not. I, I again, I I picked the Twins to win the division, but I wasn't. I didn't think they were world beaters until I started to see them beat the world, and then I was like, okay, we got something here. Again, I'll give the Wolves enough benefit of the doubt to say that Rosas and company. Can do things differently and can succeed. I'm not going to get my hopes up to the point where I say they will, and 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 actually get disappointed when they don't.
3: I I learned my lesson quickly. I I think he's being fair.
2: I learned my lesson quickly. Now,
3: now, Phil, where I do agree with you in this conversation is the Western Conference is definitely morphing and changing.
1: It's still very good. It is, but it's not like guaranteed. Warriors. Houston appears to be imploding completely. Yeah, there's a big story today that they've got internal strife Chris between Paul Chris Paul and out. James Harden.
3: Yeah, so so if Golden State just let's say take a uh, takes a step back, Houston implodes, uh, D'Antoni gets fired or quits. I think where your point is a good point is okay. Now you've got the Lakers, right? Golden State's still good, but they're certainly not great. Denver's very good. Denver, yes. Portland's very good, but those aren't teams that you look at and say they're uncatchable. No. The conversation a year ago regarding Golden State was, this has to end to actually be successful.
2: I think the Lakers... And I think it's now it's now ending, especially if they add one more piece, which people are speculating they will. I don't know how. They'll Salary add some shooters, wise, but
1: but you can add like you can add veteran minimum guys,
2: which is what they did in Cleveland. The Lakers look like the team to beat. I think we, we Lebron went to the West Coast, missed a lot of games this year, was injured. We see guys like Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis light the world on fire, and we forget just how great Giannis is and now you pair him up with Anthony Giannis how great LeBron is now you pair him up with Anthony Davis that's that's the team to beat as far as I'm concerned right now for the next 2 or 3 years i heard mike greenberg this morning saying that by by making this deal the the lakers have put themselves in in a bad spot cuz 2 or 3 years from now it's going to be desolate. It's going to be, you know, LeBron's contract is up, Anthony Davis is going to be standing yeah, who there. Who cares? Exactly. This is what I'm saying about the <laughs> Twins right now. You have a chance to strike and win a championship now. You do it and worry about the future when the future comes. Yeah. Not to mention LeBron's contract will come off the books. I'm assuming they'll extend Anthony Davis's contract and now you just hit reset on the on the organization. With the centerpiece being Anthony Davis, yeah,
1: the, it the, could be a lot worse. These, like, I've I've heard a few different people. I was uh, I was actually listening to the Russillo and Bill Simmons reaction to the to the big trade over the weekend, and like even those guys are like, "Man, this is kind of a fleecing for the Pelicans." Really? Wait a second. The greatest player of our generation, who still has probably two years of prime left, LeBron James, just partnered with one of the great big men in the history of the NBA in his prime. They win the trade. Like their goal is to win a championship in the next two years, and they just put themselves both in position to do really that. did really well, and the Pelicans did well on paper. They That's got a bunch of draft picks. picks. Both teams did great. And Brandon Ingram is fine. He's not a franchise player. Yeah. And Lonzo Ball is Ricky Rubio. So well, they yeah, got Ricky Rubio, not, some draft doctor. picks, and they got Brandon Ingram. Yeah. the The Pelicans aren't going to do anything teams did for great. three years. Yeah, but like to say that the Pelicans made out like bandits. Okay, well they got some draft picks and Ricky Rubio and whatever Brandon Ingram is. The Lakers just became a championship contender, which will be great fun to watch, and people will absolutely hate. Let's take a let's take one more call here on reckless
4: speculation.
1: Dan in Brooklyn Park, you've got some twins reckless speculation.
4: Yeah, well, hi guys. Uh, you moved off to baseball, but I'll give you a quick one on baseball and one on basketball. For baseball, if the Twins are trading prospects, they should trade one of the two of the outfield prospects, Karoloff or Rooker. They're both blocked by the present outfielders and first base with Crone and later Sano. On basketball and Andrew Wiggins' untradable contract or Jeff Teague's difficult-to-trade contract, any contract in the NBA can be traded. The classic example of Gilbert Arenas who had the most untradeable contract in the world and got traded.
1: Thanks, guys. Thank you, Dan. I mean, if I could trade Brent Rooker for Madison Bumgarner, sign me up.
3: I would do that Kierloff, yesterday. Kirloff, long term, I think, is going to be your first baseman. I think Sino gets traded. And so I think the plan is Kepler stays in right. Kirloff plays first. Rooker? Absolutely. Totally with you on that.
1: Yeah, you'd trade five Brent Rookers for yeah. anything that can help you this year. I would
3: not blink before I made that trade. Kirilov, though, I don't think is blocked. Crone and Scope are going to be gone here at some point.
1: By the way, if you're good enough, you're not blocked.
3: Yeah, it's, yeah. But I just, it's not like there's a log jam where you're like, where are we going to play Alex Kirilov? He's going to play first base. Worst case. so Or DH, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. And I, I think Sano will be gone within the next couple of years, so this whole thing will will Wow, you're dismantling the whole
2: championship 2019 team. You just, you just well, scope, him, can you Scope's let him
3: Scope's going to scope, leave. Scope's going to get paid. They're not going to pay Scope. He gets paid. Crone two more years? That's a good contract. But I just think long-term, when Kirilov is set to pop, this is all going to play out pretty easily for them. And they're not going to pay a guy if Kirilov can come up and play first base. You see what I'm doing here? You're dismantling a no, championship yep, no, team. No, 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 no. I I, as I told Wetmore today, I look at Falvey and Levine and think to myself, I don't think like you, but I'm going to try. How do you think? I put myself in their shoes, become much smarter, and then tell you what they're going to do. <laughs>
2: what? <laughs> I don't even know, man.
3: I just explained to you how you dismantle. <laughs> you, you win a World Series, and then you move on. You see, that's the thing is. Oh, you're, they're winning the World Series and then and then dismantling the 2000, it. The two thousand well, they're going to be they're going to be very successful. The two thousand ten Vikings taught us a very valuable lesson that I learned, and that was this: never get excited about we got the whole team back. It's great. If you have success, tweaks or changes have to be made. That's what they're going to do.
1: I'm going to let them have their success first in 2019. Then we'll figure it out. We'll yeah. just figure I got it all out.
3: planned out. Like The
1: Raptors are, are probably going to have to go down this path of rebuilding if they lose Kawhi, and they're going to be fine with that, just based on the celebration champ- that it today. You got your banner. And if that happens with the Twins, they can do whatever they want in 2020. I'll be under the Wolves and D'Angelo Russell and Karon the Towns.
3: You're all upset because the Wolves aren't going to make a move for D'Angelo Russell. No, they are. I'm, I, I know, but the fact are. that you said, I've now gotten myself to a place where I'll be mad if it doesn't happen is absolutely yeah, Why do that
1: to yourself? Why are you Listen, doing that to yourself? Live a little bit, guys. Okay.
2: I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd what rather. I'd rather have.
3: I'd rather your loved... girlfriend say when you say, "Honey, I've been thinking about this a lot." What? D'Angelo Russell. I'm to a point now. I'm going to be mad if they don't get him.
1: I don't bring that. See, I, I don't. There's st- strategy involved in who you bring this stuff up. To, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Two so you know. <laughs> We're going to wrap with Royce here in just a little bit. Maybe we'll bring this up with Pat. He can call me an idiot when we come back here. Oh, he will. Did you guys hear that Star Tribune named Federated Mutual Insurance Company a 2019 top workplace for the second consecutive year? That's right. There's 150 top workplaces in Minnesota named by the Star Tribune. And uh, Federated Insurance is one of them. In fact, they were named uh, the seventh on the large company list. And there's so many great reasons for it. Uh, Leadership, benefits, satisfaction, connection. Those are all the different categories in which Federated Insurance checked boxes in. On this ranking list. So, I, I mean, whether it's business owners looking for a great insurance policy and a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be, which is what Federated brings to you, it's also just a great place to work. Go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more or to find your local marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Thank you, Jonathan,
2: Mackey, and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500 and the Score North mobile app. Time to wrap with Royce. Patrick Royce joins us now. How are you this afternoon, Pat? I am just fine. I saw uh, on the video that you did, it was uh, Royce Unchained via Twitter at Score North. You've had enough of the home run. I'm getting a little sick of the home run.
4: Not as sick as I am as a three-pointer, but I'm getting sick of the home run. Yes, 13 and... uh, uh, thirteen in one game—that's enough. Come on, let's let's uh, let's. As I said, let's get the little old ladies from Haiti back to sewing the ball instead of having these uh, these titleists that we're making and and uh, having. You know. Hey, hey! If you're not offended by Tommy La Stella on his way to thirty home runs, you're not offended by anything. Okay, <laughs> I'd, I'd feel I'd feel a lot better if he was on steroids, right? At least there's some talent involved. Now you're just touching the ball it's going zoom. There it goes. Unbelievable.
2: Isn't it the most exciting uh, thing in baseball, though? I mean, if it wasn't home runs, we'd be watching ground outs and fly outs.
4: Used used to be the most exciting thing in baseball. Now it's, oh, oh, yeah, and it was only a two run homer. Who cares? You know, we had six of those tonight, too. Used to be. Now it's not. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it is when it's a zero zero game in the eighth that Mitch Garber hits one to straightaway center that is exciting. But uh, there's uh, you know when you're having yeah, you know, all you got to know about what's happening with the baseball and Judd and I talked about this for a minute today is uh, they're hitting twice as many in AAA since they started using the Major League Baseball. It's the baseball. That's what it is.
1: It's the baseball. Pat, I can't remember if I asked you this last week. So if I'm if I'm repeating this, just slap me upside the head. But if if Joe Mauer had come into the Major League Baseball pipeline and the Twins pipeline in the last five years, or if if he was just getting to the big leagues now, do you think he'd have the same sweet lefty swing that was grooved for line drives and opposite fielder? You think? Talking. Do you think he'd be a launch angle guy?
4: We actually carried that over, and I, I think you you will hear that at the start of uh, the uh, podcast right. tonight. But I, we're talking about that, and I've been thinking about it since you mentioned it. I it would depend upon when they got to him. You know, it it it, it would have had to been, you know, before he made it to the big leagues and won a batting title, right? <laughs> I mean, you're not going to say to yeah, I, we know you. Uh, we know you hit three thirty-five last year and won the batting title. But we want you to start doing this now. Uh, I, I don't think that would have worked. If you, if you, if they might have got the trouble with him is when he came to the minor leagues, he ripped it up so fast that uh, what they you know he he came in in July of. of you know, end of July of uh, 2011, he was in the big leagues in 2014 as a catcher, right out of high school. So he had so much success. I don't know, because he he was he, you know he was hitting a lot of hard doubles to the gap back you know back at when he first came up. Uh, the, the, I, I think he hit the ball harder than he did later on when he got hurt some and got banged up some, and uh, you know I I don't think. I don't think our impression of him when we first saw him was, boy, he doesn't hit the ball hard enough. But, uh, you know, later on, that became the perception. So I don't know if they would have been able to change him or not. But did you see the video? If you guys saw the videos, he had this swing when he was eight. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's what he he had. that. You know, that's the way he swung the bat from the birth basically so I, I don't know if they would have been able to change him or not I, right. I don't know and i do think that uh you know you guys you were in the crowd and uh, a lot of guys modern thinkers were saying bat leadoff lead leadoff and i said ah you're crazy but when they batted him leadoff last year full-time and what started maybe halfway through the previous season we got less paranoid about his uh lack of power and, and things like that lack of RBIs because he was getting on base and scoring runs so uh you know maybe if maybe if they'd moved him up there to hit first in about 2012 we'd we'd have a different perception of him
1: too yeah. so where do you think anyway. he in the twins pantheon of the twins pecking order of great players in franchise history where does he rank for you
4: mm. Well I had the ones that were uh you know, the you know I mean Tony and Harmon and Rodney or one, two, three and Kirby or one, two, three, four. And then I'd put him on the same level as Herbie. I'd put him at uh, the same level as Herbie, but there's probably a couple other guys. I'd I'd put Gaetti close to those guys. Uh you know, let I me mean, I'd have to think a little more about it, but uh let me say tied for fifth with Herbeck, maybe. Phil was. Uh, do You think he will get? Oh, sorry. You think you'll get a statue? You think you'll get a statue?
1: Mm. Yes, he will. He'll get a statue. He'll get a statue. Yeah.
4: If Bert gets one, he should get one.
1: You know, he needed. He was. One. He needed one great postseason run. He needed. You know, Kirby Puckett is not a Hall of Famer if he doesn't have two rings and Game Six, right? And Jack Morris with and, his and and
4: and and have his career ended uh prematurely and yeah. tragically and uh, and you know that's that, the, the you know there's no doubt that the just the raw numbers with puck were they were going to be good enough and then he you know he he went blind but uh that's the reason he made it so easily is the tragic end to his career if if uh let's say he ended up with 2750 hits and uh you know what's However, in many home runs, he was going to hit 300 or something, 280. It would have taken him a while to get in, but the fact his career ended that tragically, he got in right away.
2: Phil said oh. at least 40% of the those in attendance at Target Field on Saturday night were frauds because they were people who were upset that Joe Maurer got paid what he got paid and didn't hit home mm-hmm. runs on the level that guys who get paid that way. Do you feel like a, a large a large portion of the Twins fan base right now is hypocritical and fraudulent?
4: no, I wouldn't say it was that high because I don't think those people would go to games the uh the bashers of uh on the you know the social media bashers and the you know the newspaper commenters there isn't one jackass who's ever commented on a newspaper story who ever bought a ticket to anything. Let me tell you that. These are the these are the lowest rent human beings in the world right here that they are answering and you know taking shots at him and they don't go to any games. They'd complain if you gave them free beer when you got to the game for. They'd let them in for five bucks and gave them free beer. So I, I wouldn't say it would be forty percent, maybe twenty. Maybe, okay, maybe twenty percent. But I, you know, just because you, you know, just because you know, you can. You can, uh, be critical that the guy didn't produce what $23 million suggested he should have. But, uh, you see him down there running around with the two little girls and the kid and the whole thing. It's a little, you know, you're going to cheer, aren't you? I mean, what the hell? Uh, Rasputin could have been out there and he would have cheered if he had a pair of little cute three-year-old twins, for God's sake. So, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, time time heals uh, a lot of a lot of criticism, and I I I wouldn't say it's that high, but there's still people out there who want to be mad at him and blame him for this these previous eight years. But I I think he has very little responsibility for it.
1: Pat, either way. the most fascinating thing to me about Joe's career is the way the 2009 season is perceived. It's a, to me, it's a, it, I just looked this up on baseball reference, uh, this weekend. There's only been in the expansion era. So, so since the twins came into the league in 1961, there's only been a handful of guys who've hit at least 360 with a 440 on base percentage and 25 or more home runs in a season. One of them was Barry Bonds in 2002 and four. And we know, what well, that was driven by. Uh, two of them played at Coors Field in the 90s, Larry Walker and Todd Helton. The only other ones are Jeff Bagwell, Joe Mauer, Norm Cash, and Rico Carty.
4: <laughs> yeah, Norm Cash had the advantage of, uh, you know, he stood on top of the plate, and he had the right field at Tiger Stadium, and had a fun idea that, what, 361 year and it just came out of nowhere. And uh, But, yeah, it's one of the great... The offensive seasons ever. And for a catcher you'd probably have to there might be a bench year, right? Where you you could production wise you could maybe mention it, but as a as a catcher's season it's maybe the greatest season a catcher's ever had. Considering he missed a month. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't start till May second. Right. Yeah. Second was that his first at bat. Yeah. So uh, it was. It was. It was something. He was. He was fresh and strong that year and felt great and uh, wasn't. Uh, you know, didn't really get worn down. Uh, you know what I've always said. I've always said Joe Montana's greatest season ever was the year he missed six games to start it <laughs> and was running around like he was a young. Uh, kid again, and I think yeah, I think Joe was too. I think Joe was uh, as fresh as could be that year because he missed a month. So,
1: yeah, I wish. Get-
4: so all he did was rehab and get ready.
1: I wish that season was viewed as the as the mantle season that it was, rather than the bar that he should have met five other times. <laughs> <laughs> because that's yeah. how people view well,
4: it. Well, people, and, you know, and of course, only a complete idiot. Uh, was not jumping up and, and down with excitement when they signed him to the contract before they, they were going into a new ballpark off a guy coming one of the greatest seasons you're ever going to see. No, let's not sign him. Let's play hardball with yeah. him. Man, I'll hold down, kid. Let's not give him what we need. Uh, the, you know, we, let's be cheap. Let's let the cheap pro ads be cheap in that situation <laughs> and see what the reaction would have been. Unbelievable. Yeah.
1: So, Pat, you guys are so talking Mauer. They got,
4: they got a real ball club in town tonight because they're starting to swing the bat. So uh, it'll, it'll, their pitcher's going to have to hump it up here because uh, the Red Sox are scoring seven, eight runs a game lately. So
1: Yep. So Royce, Unchained, coming up. You guys are talking Mauer. And what else do you guys get into?
4: Oh, hour. We talked a little U.S. Open. Uh, I told a uh, couple of Judd wanted me to tell him a story about the Royce brothers and told Minnesota so we when they uh, when they killed one of their brothers off to play a joke on a salesman and some stuff like that. So we had a, we had a, we told a couple of stories and talked a little ball. All
1: right, cool. See you tomorrow, Pat. Okay, good thanks, back. Pat. All right, that's uh, wrapping with Roycey. And if you want to check out his. Video version of Royce Unchained. There is a two-minute video of him and Judd uh, sitting on our prep couches, ranting about things and yelling at clouds. I think the modern
2: newspaper column commenter is a Twitter troll now, right? Yeah. Comment section still a place that are heavily populated with terrible people. I
1: think a lot of those comment sections have just been shut down. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. But I had a boss who used to tell me you should
2: read the comments section. It gives you an idea of what uh fans are thinking. No, like, no thank you. No thanks,
0: man.
1: I mean, yeah, that's uh Twitter probably doesn't either, but we're all sort of immersed in it, so
2: all right, as find is our, OJ. But fi-
1: <laughs> well, he's really killing it on social media. I didn't listen to the man leading into the draft lottery,
2: and I learned my lesson.